you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and it's an absolute joy to be here today in Canberra sitting alongside Dana Gambrell, or as she just told me, Dana G is her (laughs) stage name. Uh, Dana currently is a digital lead in the public sector for a company called DXC Technology. Um, But on top of that, she's also a speaker and a musician. She has a genuine thirst for embracing life and not just being a passenger and in her own words, it's all about getting stuff done to really drive the value of collaboration and diversity of thought. She's worked across multiple organizations such as Telstra, Macquarie Telecom, NEC, etc. And on top of that, for me, um, Dana epitomizes uh, the principle of this podcast around unleashing brilliance. She is someone who has had not just one heart attack, but a few. She's a transgender person. She is a popular speaker on the topics of change and authenticity. And she equally uh, loves hanging out with her wonderful partner and her three kids. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you here today, Dana. Thanks, Janine. I'm excited to be here chatting to you. (laughs) So I talk about Unleashing Brilliance um, quite a lot. And in my mind, we've almost got to adopt this explorer mentality, this curiosity about what it can mean. I believe that every single one of us has brilliance in us. And for some reason, we are boxed into a life of conformity or we fail to unleash that brilliance because we're so worried about what other people are going to think about us. I talk a lot about uh, being prepared to disrupt your present to create a new future, being brave enough to walk that road less walked, and and this constant curiosity. And when we met and I spoke to you and then read your profile, I went, gosh, this this woman is incredible. She pretty much embraces (laughs) this concept of the bravery, the curiosity to actually unlock who it is that you are to become who it is that you're being right now. So I'm going to ask you, um, I don't even know if it's possible to answer given given the journey that you're on, but how how did you get to here? Yeah, great question. And we were kind of saying before, I'm, I'm accidentally exactly where I'm supposed to be, yeah. I think, right now. So if I go back, um, you know, I'm in my very, very, very late 40s. I was born in 62. So I hope you've got no mathematicians with you. <laughs> so they'll figure me out. Um, and, you know, just sort of grew up in southwestern Sydney and, you know, went to school and um, got an apprenticeship and did all those sorts of kind of normal, traditional things. Um, and in terms of kind of aspirations, I can remember my dad who was, um, you know, like really working class, lost his dad really early in his, in his life, just said to me, just make sure you get a job with the government and you'll be okay, you know, like you'll have money, you'll have a job for life sort of thing. And I went, well, that doesn't sound very exciting, but okay, I get, I kind of, I think later in life I got the point he was trying to make rather than at the time. Um, but so it was very just like, you know, traditional and go to your apprenticeship and I was playing a lot of sport at the time and I was getting time off work to go do my sport. So it was just really kind of, you know, normal and I didn't really have any particular aspirations. You know, I know we said we should, but I, I, truth is I kind of didn't. I, I sort of fell into the next shiny thing. 
I did work out what I was not good at. So I was an apprentice technician at one point in time. Uh, you don't want me working on the tech. I can tell you it's not my thing. Very quickly moved into marketing and consulting and a bunch of things. So um, I think working out what you're not good at is as important as um, trying to work out what you like doing. Um, so sort of fast forward, you know, I had the uh, double bypass in February 2000 and my kids will tell you that certain aspects of my personality changed after that. Uh, point in time um, and I think for people that have that kind of event in their lives you hear very common stories about you know the focus and, and you appreciate the gift that life is and you want to get on and not waste it those sort of things because we don't know you know how long we've got so um, and then uh, two years ago um, I started hormone treatment when I knew that I had no choice but to transition and then people will say now, wow, it's like David is actually your brother. Like we don't see the connection between the two people. This is people that have known me for 20 something years. So, um, so yeah, so that's how I kind of got to where I am now. But if I think about sort of how you step through things and how you take advantage of things, I think I developed this real culture of hiding as a personality because I knew from a very, very young age that um, I was different to other people. And so, but I was really nervous about what people would think of me and how they would judge me. So I never shared, like, I've never, mum and dad both passed early, but I've never shared with them. Um, and uh, didn't share with my friends. And it's just, you develop kind of a, um, a behaviour of hiding. So for me, that was the core of it. But then in every aspect of your life, you start to say, well, I'm not going to share what I actually think because somebody might not agree with me. Now I say to that, so what? But then it was a big deal because it was a fear of being judged, I think, and a fear of what people thought. So um, as I've gone through the different stages and gone to here, what I've realised is the most important opinion that I need to seek is my own about how I feel about me and how I feel about the things I'm doing and how I'm interacting with people. And so having been able to step out from behind the shackles of David, having stopped hiding, it's just unlocked everything for me. Mm. You know, being brave enough to step through the door and try things and experience new things and put an opinion forward or meet somebody that I wouldn't have even met before. Um, and it just unlocks amazing things that you can do with people. Mm. Yeah. But for many years, Dana, you talk about hiding and I can imagine that mm. um, that wasn't easy. I'm imagining that there were moments where it, it just... Yeah. It was frightening, it was scary, it was unhappy. All um, of those things, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, but you just kind of go, you know, I, I used to have this thought, and I'd encourage anybody thinking about anything to have this thought. If there was no one else around me, if I was the only person that I knew in the world, what would I do? What action would I take? Because often it's what we think of others' opinions that stop us taking our own actions. Mm. Mm. And I'm imagining you see that in the work that you do as well. Uh, that there's yeah. so many people that are essentially invisible in their own worlds yeah. and not being prepared to speak up and step into their spotlight. What what tips would you give? Would you give them over and above that? If you were the last yeah. person on the planet, what would you be? <laughs> yeah. um, look, what I'd say to them in the workplace is the, the first people I'd speak to are the leaders, and whether that's hierarchical leadership or situational leaders. And I would say to them, make it safe for people to have a voice. Because one of the things we do a lot of work on now is diversity of thought. And that's not about the wrapper that the person brings. It's about their experience and their mindset and their approach. And so, um, and that, that pays dividends 
you know, multifold. So I think I'd say to the leaders and encourage people to have a voice, encourage them to speak up, encourage them to put their mind forward, make it safe and make them feel valued for having an opinion. And then I would say to the individuals, you've got a voice, use it. We want to hear it. You've got great ideas. Take your blinkers off and be brave and put that idea forward. Because even if it's not a good idea or if it's not the right answer at the time, it's going to stimulate some thinking that gets people to the right answer. So it's always a contribution. Yeah. And how did you find your bravery? You mentioned at the beginning that uh, two years ago you had no choice. I'm curious about what was wrapped around that. And equally, you know, finding that bravery to become visible, to yeah. step out of whatever barriers, boundaries, thought process that you'd, you'd created for yourself. Yeah, look, I was kind of dragged into it, to be honest. Dragged into <laughs> it. Was, yeah, that was, it wasn't a plan. <laughs> Come with me. Yes. You will be brave. <laughs> it's like, um, so um, I kind of, people use the words now, um, uh, you know, wow, you're so brave and I really admire your courage and what it must have taken to do what you did. And the reality is, it was survival for mm. me. I was at a point in my life where some things had happened and I needed to rebuild myself mm. from core values up. Like I kind of, when people say they, they, they lost themselves, I'd lost myself. I'd lost my place in the world. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know why I should be here. And I actually had, that, you know, those really dark thoughts around, well, if I, you know, dropped off the tweet tomorrow, who would actually miss me? And I know that logically that's not right, you know, but you have those sort of feelings. And so I had no choice but to rebuild myself from core values up. And a part of doing that was to say, okay, I can't pretend to be David anymore. And that's really what I was doing. I was putting the David mask on every day. Um, and so I went, well, now, now's the time to change. So, and you know, I was in my 50s um, to do that, but it was absolute survival, excuse me. And so, um, so that's what sort of brought it out. And then, massive lesson for me was you never think of yourself as special or inspirational or brave or courageous you just do what you do to survive and to get through and i had a um i had an experience one night where it was an afternoon um this is the music side of my life i had a call from a friend who said hey can you help me out i've just had someone cancel on me i've got no one to play can you come and play a set for me tonight and it was just in a pub local puppy great little pub um here in Canberra, uh, and um, I could hear in my head, like I was having a really bad, emotional, horrible day, and I, in my head I'm going, not a chance, not gonna do this. Out of my lips came, sure mate, no problem, where do you want me? <laughs> I'm like, I'm having this internal dialogue in my head, going, what am I doing? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'll shorten the story. I went home, I grabbed my guitar, it was just a little solo thing beside the fire in the pub, you know, it was a winter, uh, winter's night. Um, I got there, and the place was full, which was the last thing I felt like. And so I'm sitting there and I'm sort of, you know, going through my set and it's like I'm singing in the lounge room. I wasn't connecting with people, which is very unlike me. I was just still having this emotional kind of day. And I sang a song that I'd never sung before in public. It was a new one that I'd learnt. Um, and I looked kind of three rows back in a booth and I saw this lady put her head in her hands and turn to her husband, and put her head on his shoulder shaking her head, starting crying, and I went, wow, am I that bad tonight? But that's what I thought. And so anyway, I pushed through, didn't think much of it, still feeling a bit grumpy, finished my set, went to the bar, standing there waiting to, to order a glass of wine, and this same lady walked up to me, and without saying a word, she put her arms around me and started sobbing. And I was like, 
okay, <laughs> what's happening here? I hope you're okay. Um, anyway, it turns out, so it wasn't my gig. I wasn't supposed to be there. I'd never sung this song in public before. Turns out this lady and her family had never been to this particular pub before. The only reason they were there that night was because they'd buried their niece that day. And the song I sung was her, her niece's favorite song. So one of those kind of cosmic connection moments. But the point of that long story is to say, um, I was sharing the story with, with, with the musical mentor and she said, well, yeah, stupid. It's not about you. It's actually about the other people. You don't know what day they've had. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they're thinking, you know? And so to draw all that together for you, the point of that is when you have a voice, you put a voice out there, you don't know. It's actually not about you. It's not about your thought. It's about how someone else receives it and then what they do with it. That's, that's really powerful. I got goosebumps. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> um, so now you're becoming more visible. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you were at the start of your journey personally mm. and professionally you're creating and doing some incredible work in mm. the public sector and driving change. Um, can you share um, how the impact that you're having has evolved since you have become more visible and therefore why it's such an opportunity for everybody that's listening to be brave enough, courageous enough to share their voice? Yeah, um, I think... Again, like I, I never set out to be brave or to be visible or to be a role model. It's just happened. Um, and so what happens is people latch onto my story. So to link it back to the last piece, it's about how they receive it, not about what I think of it. Um, and so I've just had to accept that and just to go with that. And so as a result, I get to work with people who um, would really love to be more than they can be and love to do more than they can do and really have that desire to, um, to actually be brave enough themselves. So in, I can remember a story uh, where I worked with um, a bunch of people in a large federal agency. They'd be given an opportunity by their department CEO, by their secretary, um, to pitch some ideas for improvement, innovation around how they serve the public. Uh, and the lady, so we went through a whole process over a couple of months. We ended up doing it in a shark tank pitch kind of environment where we had eight teams uh, pitching ideas. And the, the, the idea that won was just one lady who stood up on her own. She'd never um, never spoken in public before, never done a presentation, and she had to stand up in front of her executive <laughs> and pitch this idea in three minutes. And, um, and so to work with her, to help her to be able to do something that she was, she was really passionate about, but she didn't think she had a voice, she didn't think she could make that difference, um, and for her to actually get that idea up and won and funded, for the benefit of her customers, her citizens uh, that she was serving, she was so proud of herself, you know, and she, and then so she becomes the inspirational story because the people around her are going, wow, look what you've done. That was fantastic. And I sit back and go, job done. That was nice. But it's, you get that kind of leverage effect. And so everybody does that a little bit more than they thought they could, mm. you know, and I think it's really important mm. to be able to get that, that kind of leverage effect mm. and, and help people. If you show someone how to step through the door once, and show them their support and they've got confidence, they'll often step to the door again. Mm. That's really powerful. One of your guiding beliefs 
is uh, learning to put love at the center of everything um, that you do. And this belief that when you do that, you get the right business outcome because people are together. Uh, One of my guiding beliefs is is incredibly uh, similar. It's about showing unconditional love always. Mm -hmm. And I have this big belief system that human beings actually are really awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And interestingly, when you have that view, you tend to attract awesome people around you Mm -hmm. versus the negativity. And I'm curious as to, you talked at the beginning about uh, before you... you, entered this current stage of your life how you were so worried about other people's opinion Mm. and um what they would say whether since you've become uh who you who you are Mm -hmm. and accepted that person um whether you're actually seeing difference in other people around you you know has it actually um reaffirmed the power of the human spirit absolutely well that's a great question um when i first was making the transition i thought about how i was going to tell people and I wrote a letter and I sent that letter out to some trusted people as a, like as a draft to say, what do you think? And I got all sorts of different reactions and emotions and interpretations of what I'd said. And I thought, like I put a lot of work into it, you know, I covered all the bits. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wow, I didn't like, but what was happening was people were reading it in their own context, in their own voice. Um, and so instead I made a video same script. It was like I could have been reading the letter. The same points were there. Um, but because I'd been able to deliver it in my own voice and in my own style, um, it, the reactions were much um, uh, more consistent and much more accepting. So it's an example of people surprising you, mm. you know. And I think what I've learned is people surprise you. People's reactions to things, you think you can anticipate it. And sometimes you do and you get it right. I got about 90% of the reactions that I called. I was thinking about the individuals and how they'd react to the story um, privately and in the, in the professional world. I got it wrong. Like, people surprised me. And so now I look for people to surprise me in a positive way. So I expect that they you know, people come to work with the intention of doing the right thing, you know, and it's sometimes it's just the environment that, that can tear them down. So if you expect they, can do, they want to do the right thing, give them the chance. Don't you like give them the chance mm. to be themselves and to and to surprise you, and that they will they absolutely will mm. surprise you. Mm. Yeah. And to your point, it takes two, right? So I'm curious, what's your advice first of all for for leaders to ensure that they're building that culture? You talked about safety, yes, mm. but but what else do we do? You think that leaders need to get better at, and yeah. then equally the individual takes two we can't we can't be expected to be saved and equally we can't always be the victim so from your perspective um the top tips for the the leaders and Mm -hmm. the top tips for the individuals i think the top tip for the leader and this is really topical in what i'm seeing at the moment is to understand we have employees but we employ whole people and we don't look at the whole people sometimes and i've got a bunch of examples i could rattle off where Something's happened at work and there might have been a reorg and or, or somebody's resigned or left. When you unpick the personal story behind those individuals and the impact that things at work are having on them, we don't, as leaders, you know, when you've got 10,000 people, as we do here in Australia and New Zealand, it's hard for our top leadership to know everybody and to understand what they're going on. So the leaders throughout the business in the different um, parts of the organisation and in different roles need to take the time or find a way to know the people 
and to make it safe then on the other side for us as employees to share what's going on, you know, to say, I'm actually having a bad day or to say, yeah, I'm having a great day. Like, you know, my daughter's getting married in May. Everybody at work knows that. So I'm just, I'm really excited. I'm sharing it so people know that I've got some good stuff going on outside of work. Um, but equally, I've got some colleagues and friends who, who are having a tough time outside of work. And it would be, you know, great if we can, if we, and it is mutual. You know, we have to do the best job we can do as employees when we're there. We absolutely have to do that. We have an obligation to do the best that we can. But equally, if we can get that kind of symbiotic relationship where our leaders trust us and give us space when we need that space to maybe not be as high-performing on that day because there's other stuff going on or to help us get through something that's hard outside, as a business, that's going to get returned, you know, time and time again. So, yes, we have shareholder value, but I also think we need to have this thing about... Um, emotional value or employee value that we measure as well. Trust is one of those really interesting things. I was reading a culture code by Daniel Coyle and he talks about, you know, we're all talking about trust, trust, trust. In yeah. fact, our trust levels are at the, the lowest they've ever been yep. in media, government, non-government and business. But you can only get trust if you are authentically you. Yeah. And... That's the hard bit, being authentically you. If you're authentically you, I mean, I, talk, I said in my keynote at the weekend, we human beings have got this incredible invisible BS detector <laughs> where unconsciously we go, BS, yeah. BS. Yeah. And so being authentically ours, and particularly I think some generations it's harder than others. I know, you know, for many of us, it's beaten out of us in the schoolyard, yeah. Yeah. beaten out of us by the, the queen bees or the wannabes. And, and knowing and loving yourself first mm. and foremost helps build the trust with the people yeah. that you're working with. And equally, how easy it is to lose trust. So it only takes one moment where people almost respond to that and never forget it. Yeah. So what's your, um, your advice? Because I feel you can actually talk to this, this authentic self piece. What does that mean to mm. you? Yeah, so what I say to people is, um, yes, bring your mind. You've got a voice. Use it, please. We want to hear it. But bring your personality as well. Don't be afraid. Don't don't think you have to conform to a certain set of language or a certain kind of behaviour. I mean, you know, within acceptable norms. But don't try and be something that you're not. Um, and another colleague that I worked with recently, she had a particular name, but close to her real name, but a particular name outside. And it was just like a little, you know, cute abbreviation of her name. Um, and she would change. When she referred to herself as that, she'd be bubbly and bouncy and carrying on and be, you know, present and visible and, and thought-provoking. Mm. And when she wasn't, when she was the professional full name, she was kind of more reserved and a little bit not naturally self. And I was just working with her saying, bring this person, bring your little cute name, bring that person because people feed off that energy and they listen to you and they buy what you're saying. So bringing your real personality as much as I say to employee, I say to leaders, we have employees, but we employ whole people. It's incumbent on us to bring our whole selves to work as well. I yeah, think. to stop faking it till we stop make faking it. it. Yeah. That's right. yeah. <laughs> um, now, how do you get through those tough times? Because life isn't all unicorns and rainbows. I think no, we all enter not. into funks, <laughs> F-U-N-K, at some point. Yeah. Um, what do you do? What techniques do you have to uh, yeah. to get out of it? I often say to you, it's okay. It's okay to yeah. feel crappy. Yeah. The, the the task is how to, or the key is how long you stay in that and what you do to get out of it. Exactly what right. sort of things yeah. do you you do, Dana. So I, I do time bind it, if that's the right mm -hmm. expression. That's probably not even English, but you know what I mean. So if I'm having a bad day, depending on what it is, I'll let myself have it for the day, but I never carry it to the next morning, you know. And 
too much detail, but I sleep with my blinds wide open and the sun comes in of a morning and that's what wakes me up and it's a refresh and it's a renewal. So always have that. Um, remember that people will surprise you. Like have that conscious thought and um, take time for yourself. Like I do, um, I, I am a bit of an extrovert, as my partner will tell you, and she's an introvert, so we have some really interesting <laughs> discussions. But um, uh, I do have quiet moments. Like I can deliberately go and have quiet moments where I actually don't, it's not quiet meditation, but I just clear my head, I just breathe, it's really important, and just go, no, just, you know, keep going. And the final thing I'd say is, the key in this for me and everything is know your why. Know why what you're doing is important to you. And there might be some things about why it's important to other people and the impact it has, but know why it's important to you. Because when it gets hard, that's what saves you and allows you to keep going. So short answer, take time, time bind it, step out of the moment for a while if you need to, but then come back to why you're doing it and refresh and start new. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That reconnecting with the why keeps the fire in your belly going. It keeps that resilience and that that grit piece Mm. going. What's your wish for the future? Oh, wow. That's such a broad question. Mm. Um, uh, If I think about it from the lens of a parent, I want my kids to do what motivates them and to be happy. You know, find their why and be happy doing that. I didn't start gigging as a music... Like, I've played music all my life. I didn't start actually sitting in pubs and performing until after I turned 50. And it's been the most rewarding thing. You know, I've had the most rewarding experiences doing that. Um, And I've learned you know, how to recover when you get it wrong in front of people. There's no place to hide when you're you know, sitting with a guitar and singing and somebody doesn't like what you're doing. So, um, but do what you love. Like find what you love, know your why, and follow that. You know, work out how you make money and work out what life you want to have. But don't, you know, you can't do a, you can't do a, you can't get paid enough to do a job that you don't like, is what I often say to people. So find your passion and find what you do. So I hope that my kids do that. And that's, you know, we do talk about that. So... Um, so that's my hope there. Um, I really hope that corporations find a way to get the human value and not just the shareholder value mixed right. Go ahead, both. But to really um, value the whole person that they employ. And you watch retention rates and things go up and you watch productivity go up. I know it sounds like heaven, doesn't it? But, you know, it's there. We've got to work on it. We've got to work on it. Um, um, and I just hope that I keep getting to do what I do because... It's really rewarding, you know. It, having worked out that it's not about me, it's about what other people take from me, regardless of what I think of it, um, that's really rewarding to see other people, the look on their face when they've done something they don't think they can do, you know. It's so rewarding. So yeah. I just want to do more of that. The biggest gift. <laughs> yeah. Who's been the most influential person in your world? Um, yeah, that is also a great question. My kids are really influential. Um, I remember talking to my son about discrimination. So I, my son's gay, 27-year-old gay man. Yeah, so you've got three children. You've yeah, three got... kids. I've got a 30-year-old daughter yeah. uh, who's about to get married, as yeah, I mentioned exciting. before. Uh, my son, who's 27, and yeah. then an 8-year-old daughter. Yeah. And, and, and Dan came out uh, as gay God, when he was 15 or 16. Mm. And we were so relieved because we all knew it. We just, <laughs> he just needed to say it. Um, uh, but the way he's handled himself and conducted himself, and I said to him once, um, how do you how do you deal with discrimination? How do you deal with people being negative towards you? And he said, well, I don't. And I said, well, can you, like, what do you mean? And he said, I just don't give it oxygen. It doesn't matter if they have certain thoughts, then I just don't engage. I just don't give it oxygen. Mm. 
which I thought was really powerful. You know, it's really nice to be able to be inspired by your kids, I think, it isn't is. it? Um, and I'm lucky. So as I said earlier, mum and dad both passed really young. Um, but the women on my mum's side, like in her family, my, my nan, who's since passed, she lived into her 90s and was, you know, like working as a, as a, a proofreader. That shows you how old <laughs> up until she was 75. So she was reading text before the papers were being printed out. Um, but in that whole line, I've got two aunts in particular who are just the most amazing women and who just wise, you know. And so they put their arms around me and just say, they'll say, you're off track or keep going or what you're doing. So I think, yeah, I think it's those two. Excellent. Mm. And if they were in the room or if they could be in the room with us right now, mm. so your son and yeah. those aunts and your parents, yeah. what would you say to them? I love you. Oh. R- really simple. Yeah. Give them a hug. Yeah. 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 I think they'd be proud of you. I'm sure they would. Uh, well, they say they are. So, yeah, you know, it's are. a bit hard to accept that sometimes, yeah. but... Yeah, they are. It's, it's really lovely. Yeah. Of course they are. Yeah. Um, Dana, we could just talk and talk and talk <laughs> forever. I, I did actually suggest you have to write a book about your story because yeah. there's so many <laughs> facets should. about it. You yeah. know, one of the things I'm currently creating in terms of IP is this concept of unleashing brilliance requires yeah. us to embrace the various facets of who we are. And, yeah. and when we bring those facets together, we're able to shine more brightly, a bit like a diamond. And you're a classic example of that where... Um, yes, you've got your work, but you've got your personal life, you've got your passion, you've got your beliefs, you've got the children, you've got the ends, mm. and it's bringing it all together, which is why you're having the impact that you're having, which mm. is phenomenal. Um, some of the key lessons from me, you know, I love that, that, that thought process of if there was no one around you, what would you do? Mm. Um, incredibly simple, but incredibly powerful in terms of giving people permission to work it out and to to do it and imagine the impact that we could all have um the importance of trust and it's one of those words it's one of those simple words that we all talk about but it's it seems to be harder to actually follow through on Mm -hmm. and um i certainly believe it's one of the biggest things that we need across all facets of life family personal professional Mm. this whole trust piece will will hopefully um change the world in the way we want to do it your concept around people will always surprise you again it makes me smile because i'm going yeah they do and and it almost gives permission to allow people to do that and your son's advice around not giving the negative stuff oxygen Mm. is is really really powerful and summing it all up is is this concept of love um, the unconditional love for who you are, for what it is that you're doing and, and for other people. Um, you know, it is it's one of the ultimate things. Again, we talk about it. It's a word that's banded about, but very few people are actually living, breathing that love. So yeah, you're incredibly so wise and yeah. such an awesome gift to the planet. My last question, um, we often ask people what they want to become, mm-hmm. um, who they want to be. Um, I'm more curious about what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, wow. Um, uh, I think just someone who cared and, you know, who helped where I could is probably, you know, that'll do. (laughs) Dana, you're incredible. I am so glad the universe made our paths cross. And I have no doubt that we are going to see each other again. Thank you for being so open and honest and for sharing your stories and a gift to our listeners and the power of of being who you are. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people. 
extraordinary results.